Oh, Lord. You know, it's a joke. You want a, you want a joke? Um, so um, it's subpoena season because, you know, the House is held by Democrats. And the only thing they're going to say is, Alexa, play Despacito. That's a joke. <laughs> Galaxy of Adventures and Podcast Updates. Welcome to the First Order Communique. We explore the latest Star Wars news and content, books, shows, and fan projects, what's canon and what's not, and we do what Star Wars fans do. We have fun scrutinizing every detail and discussing it to death. I'm Dan Pemberton. And I'm Ami Zanami. And we're glad you joined us today. Let's get started. Uh, we have had a big week of news. There's just been a ton of stuff going on. The untitled Cassian Andor show is still in development, but now officially has a showrunner, Stephen Schiff, who was the producer behind the FX series The Americans. Um, I don't. I don't know. Ami, did you ever watch The Americans? No, I did not. Tell me more. Uh, well, I didn't watch it either. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, apparently it's it did very well, and it's I guess it was praised by both critics and I guess it had really high audience uh, ratings for FX. Um, it was a crime drama and mystery. Wow. Hmm. Now I kind of want to watch it and, and uh, build up some expectations for a. Uh, Cassian Andor. Oh, and Carrie Russell was in it. Hmm. For the Cassian Andor show? Carrie Russell is in The Americans, but Carrie Russell is also one of the new cast member additions to episode nine. Yes, she plays Mar Jade, who is from Legends that I grew up reading, and she was Luke's wife. And Has that been confirmed? Was it not confirmed? Oh, shoot. Am I going off of my Rose crap again. <laughs> I am not sure if it's been confirmed. We're gonna I would for those of you who just heard true, the uh <laughs> the bleeping that wasn't because Ami what broke our uh, sort of undeclared family friendly policy and not swearing on the show. Uh we just don't like bashing other people's uh podcasts and YouTubes, and so we're just gonna uh bleep the name of that one out. But, so yes. I'm going off of um, rumors that I heard. <laughs> yeah, I let's do not, not say where from. Let's let's rescind that. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen anything on Star Wars Newsnet about this. In fact, I've only seen just very, very vague. What if she's this? What if she's that? And even IMDb doesn't have anything listed for her. She's listed as being a cast member in the movie, but nothing else. Okay. Uh, I was not aware of that. I was really hoping for the rumor to be true because Mara Jade was a kick-ass part of the Legends and the Extended Universe. I was on eBay last week and I saw a four-pack or a set of four Star Wars customizable card game cards for Mara Jade. It was Mara Jade, Mara Jade's lightsaber, and I want to say her ship, maybe? And the fourth one was just Mara Jade as a hologram foil card. And the whole set, the four cards are selling for $100. And I don't know. I, th I think because I grew up in a culture that um, women were not meant to be seen as powerful and athletic and leaders. Um, and yes, this is possible to exist in the 20th the 21st century, um, I grew up in a very, um, oh, what is the word I'm looking for? Cult-like environment. So when I was able to dive into stories like Star Wars and see the might of these women, see them leading, see them capable of, you know, literally fighting for justice with their prowess, with lightsabers, with blasters, with the whole um, rebellion behind them. It was something very incredible to me just to imagine and to see. And Mara Jade was definitely one of those women that I love to read about. So I'm hoping <laughs> that the rumor is true, but we'll see. 
I am just on pins and needles waiting for any art, any content, a teaser trailer. Give us something, JJ. I'm kind of hoping that they won't introduce Mara Jade in episode nine and then also finish her arc in the same movie. I don't know. I don't think that would be kind of doing her justice because even though I didn't read the books, I was very familiar uh, with the, I guess the same stories. Yeah. The the same character and stories that you you talking about. And I read, Oh, no, I read the, the first of the legends, uh, Thrawn trilogy, heir to the air of the empire. And, and, uh, but I'm kind of wondering, I, I would really love to see Disney come out with either a show or some movies, now preferably a show that covers post Return of the Jedi Luke Skywalker. And I'm still like on the like Sebastian Stan yes. crowd. Like I, I think he needs to play <laughs> Luke Skywalker. We yes. go grab somebody to play Mara Jade. And we're just we're going to we're going to make lemonade with this. We're going to do this. Yeah. And I think there was a part at the beginning of the last Jedi novelization that showed Luke Skywalker having this dream. It wasn't quite clear what exactly it was where he had a wife and he was on Tatooine and it was like a different turn of events. I I need to go reread that to see and um, what was going on there. But yeah, that would, I think that would be incredible for them to talk about what exactly happened between return of the Jedi and the rise of the first order. <laughs> yeah, I I would be really really interested to see how they would square that because the last Jedi novelization, that whole opening chapter, um, I remember when I was reading that, I was thinking, what the heck is going on? And it's, uh, I mean, for listeners who haven't read the last Jedi uh, novel, the opening chapter is a dream Luke is having on Octo, and he is dreaming about what would have happened if the droids never showed up at his uncle's moisture farm. What if he never left Tatooine? What if he never met up with Ben Kenobi? What would his life have been like? And it involves him uh, getting married and having a wife. And, And then he wakes up and then he goes outside and he's walking around and Ray walks Ray. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. It was yeah, and so C three PO and R two D two ended up in that beginning captured by the Empire. And so we never would have had any of the Star Wars in this alternate reality at the beginning. And it's a very interesting thing to read. You're like, whoa, like my mind was blown. I had to read it like three times. <laughs> and you know, uh, that kind of makes me think about something. I know this has been been talked about a little bit online in past years, but I'm I would be kind of interested to see what would happen if there was this if somehow Disney could spin it where they have a Kelvin universe kind of paralleling the Star Trek alternate universe where there actually is the alternate universe of Star Wars where it's in fact the the legend storyline oh my gosh and 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 you get to see (laughs) lord (laughs) you get to you get to see you know jason solo and all the all the all the rest of the next generation anakin exactly and the courtship of princess leia and you know what i would i would even raise that with all the goofiness that comes with it. I forgot exactly how it is. There's like a, an Ewok that wants to become a Jedi. There's a, a droid that, that joins up with the death star or something. It's, and and kind of becomes one with the death star. It's, or maybe it's a star destroyer. I gotta, I gotta look that up again, but there's just some really, really just goofy stories that came out of there. And then there's the, yeah, we, we we could go through like the top twenty even strangest stories that came out of the eighties and nineties. <laughs> oh my goodness, there was so books many. comic books. But. I remember reading some really weird book about um, Han Solo and Chewbacca, and just it was it was so odd. And so I'm gonna have to revisit all this stuff that I read as a kid because actually the details are escaping me, and then I'm also nervous when I'm talking. So. 
Um, but so we were talking about the Cassian Andor show, and I did want to talk about that because um, Cassian Andor is played by Diego Luna, who is Hispanic, and he also is the actor, and I believe he also writes for Narcos, or am I mistaking him for... He does a lot of things. He does a lot of things. So because he has this background of producing as well as character writing, he has this really, this great potential for character development for Cassian Andor. And speaking also of that, I would really love to see his refurbished, rewired, from the Empire, tall droid, K2SO. Like, could we get some origin stories with him? Could we get some hilarious yes, situations absolutely. like what happened in Rogue One? He was just incredible. Like, he was not, he was like C3PO's and some other raggedy, mean, smart mouth droids brainchild because he had the wit of 3PO, but then he had his own thing going on. He was very sarcastic. He was very autonomous. And he was just great at bringing humor as well as having this um, loyalty to Cassian and to the Resistance. So I would love to see him in the show. Yeah, I think there's really only room for kind of growth stories and maybe origin stories for K2SO and maybe a couple other characters because we already know that, spoilers, Cassian Andor dies at the end of Rogue One. And so this show has to take place before Rogue One. And it's going to be it's going to be kind of like the Better Call Saul of Rogue One. Speaking of Saul, we we mentioned it would be neat to see um, Saw Guerrero. It would Guerrero. It would be neat to see Infus Ness to, to, to see these people <laughs> in the show as well, and just to see all these aspects of the rebellion and people who were against the Empire from whatever level they were in the galaxy. Yeah, whatever capacity, wherever they were in the universe. And I feel like the live action Star Wars shows are going to get are going to tap into a little more of a mainstream casual fan audience than the animated shows are. And Saw Gerrera was a recurring character in the Clone Wars and uh, in the Rebels show. And you slowly get to see him grow and become a little more militant, a little more radicalized and. And then Rogue One is his big finale. It's the end of his arc. But the thing is, is that if you never watch the animated shows and you went in to see Rogue One, you have no idea who, who Saw Gerrera is. You have no idea why when the Death Star is blowing up. Um, uh, uh, Jedi. Jetta was blown up Jetta and he just says, I'm done running. And they're all kind of standing there like, well, you can still come with us. And he, no, I'm done running. And the thing is, for me, that made sense to me. That made perfect sense that he was done running. Uh, and I mean, he was he, his body was broken. His, his mind wasn't there. He was paranoid. He and he went there already knowing he wasn't going to leave. He, he wanted to stay there. He wanted to strategize, lead from behind, from from inside his base. But he wasn't going anywhere after that. And uh, and so for me, the ending for him made perfect sense. But I know very few other people who who didn't watch the cartoons and I need to oh, catch up oh, and finish yeah. so I can uh, provide more to the conversation. I think one of the things that um, struck me was Mon Mothma and the more they see themselves as more civilized rebels, look on Saw Gerrera and his groups as extremists. They just, they go too far. They're, they they don't follow orders. They do their own thing. They're not um, one with the rebellion in war because they think that the rebellion needs to do more. And 
it's funny because the whole empire sees the entire rebellion as terrorists. Yeah. That's and yet about right. the, the, the rebellion is seeing people who are with them also as terrorists. And it just kind of shows the intricacies and the, it's not all black and white. Yeah. I, I'm not even sure if they've, anyone's ever used that word, at least in any any content I've seen of Star Wars, but they have used the word traitor and treason. I mean, Darth Vader is one of the first things he says to Princess Leia in A New Hope, you're part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. And uh, Well, I, I got the context for seeing um, the rebellion as terrorists from... Empire Sympathizers when I read Bloodlines, which I actually just finished, Bloodlines by Claudia Gray. And in there, there's Senator um, Castafor that is speaking with Leia as he has in his office relics from the Empire. He's got helmets of, you know, stormtroopers and, and the upper echelons of the military he's got the emblem of the empire just as art on his wall and in conversation with leia because she's appalled and sickened by seeing um because she's now senator and so they're two senators speaking with each other in his office he he throws in her face that the rebels were terrorists oh wow. so that's where i get the context for that i'm pretty sure it's an other um literature and other parts but i can't directly point to any except the one that i've most recently read mm. that this empire sympathizer accuses the rebellion of being a group of terrorists all right i'm looking on starwars.com right now in their news section and they describe the cassie untitled cassie and Andor show as a spy thriller so that i am i like, is this going to be like Mission Impossible, but for Star Wars? And I don't mean Tom Cruise Mission Impossible. I mean the original Mission Impossible. Between um, Diego Luna's brilliance and my love for Star Wars and his accent, my body is ready. Let's do this. Please hurry up and film it so I can see this. My body is ready. We're going to put that up on Twitter. <laughs> But uh, casting the live, the untitled casting Ender show isn't even the only show that we're anticipating. There's also the Mandalorian, and also this week, uh, it was announced that Nick Nolte is joining the cast of the Mandalorian, and that's I I think is an interesting choice. I'm going to be eager to see what they're going to do with that. Have you like do you have any thoughts on the the announcement this week? Definitely. I'm very excited to see uh, Pedro Pascal of Game of Thrones. He's a Chilean-born act, American actor, and I loved him in Game of Thrones. I know that he's going to bring a lot of wit, a lot of incredible talent to The Mandalorian. Also, um, Gina Carano. She is yeah. an fourth-generation Italian-American MMA fighter. She's from my state, Dallas, Texas. Her dad actually played football for the Cowboys. Um, but she is not your typical stereotype of a woman in, Holly in Hollywood. Unfortunately, there is so much pressure these days for people to be a certain height, a certain weight, a certain look. But she is not your skinny Barbie, okay? She will kick your butt. She is ripped. She's got, like, these huge muscles, and she could pull someone's... I feel like she's like Chewbacca. She could pull some part of somebody's body off, okay? And I love that. I love that they're casting a woman who is strong and amazing, and she's going to be in this show. Yeah. Mandalorians is covering tell me again it's covering the, the the time period you mean yes I'm I get that confused because before it came out people were saying one thing and then it's no it's official the Mandalorian takes place a few years after the Empire crumbles in Return of the Jedi and the I anticipate there being a similar backstory with 
the um, with the Mandalorians as there was in the in the Legends, where the Mandalorian Empire was this just gigantic empire similar to the uh, Imperials, and over the centuries over the millennia they kind of lost some lost a lot of their uh, presence and power and influence and because the there is now a vacuum and a void to be filled i anticipate there being something in there on a, a, a more political oriented subplot where they try to retake some of that territory in the galaxy but, okay so they're they're trying to get independence or something I, of that sort. I, I that's all I that's all I know about their backstory, and I and that's purely speculation on my part about what the show might be about. We don't know anything. We except, don't. All it except, says is we follow the travails of a lone gunfighter in the outer yeah. reaches of the galaxy, far from the authority of the New Republic. And for all I know, this could be just like a man with no name trilogy in Star Wars. Now we now we have Mission Impossible and Man with No Name trilogy and the uh, joining up with Star Wars, which would be kind of interesting to see. But the uh, kind of the, to Disney's credit, uh, in addition to John Favreau being the showrunner, Dave Filoni is one of the executive producers, and um, Filoni has a huge following because he was the showrunner for both Clone Wars and Rebels, and I know he's got his hand in a few other Star Wars projects right now. And pretty much whatever he touches kind of just becomes brilliant, and turns to gold. But he is strong with the force. <laughs> yeah. And um, is he the one with the hat? Or is that the other guy? <laughs> who, are you, who are you thinking of? Let me see. I'm going to find it. <laughs> but we can just keep talking. Now, uh, now, Dave Filoni is just a behind-the-scenes kind of guy. There's been a lot of uh, talk the last few months to get him to direct a Star Wars movie, to write and direct one, and whether or not he is going to kind of step into that is a whole other debate. Uh, I want to see him take on directing a couple episodes before he, uh, um, before he does that. But also on the topic of The Mandalorian... This week, uh, Joe Russo of the Russo Brothers um, from the Marvel movies was on the set of The Mandalorian, and he came out and in an interview he said, "The Mandalorian is unlike any TV show you've seen." Nice. And that's a, uh, and that's straight off of uh, Star Wars Newsnet. And I don't know if there are any listeners who are not familiar with Star Wars Newsnet. They are a highly reliable source of news they do a superb job at vetting their uh, their sources and yeah and dave filoni is the one with the hat he's got that brown kind of looking like oh yeah looking like harrison ford in his adventure movies someone tell me the name <laughs> indiana jones got that indiana, indiana jones, jones hat going on adventure movies oh my god hey i'm just glad it's um <laughs> that hat and not other heads that I don't like, but we won't get into my personal taste. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the Mandalorian, and I, from what I've seen in the Clone Wars, and I've got a couple of seasons to catch up on. They're pretty great. All right, and finally this week, um, on the topic of a third show, which is our main topic for this episode, um, this week Disney unveiled a series of animated shorts on YouTube called Galaxy of Adventures. And uh, Ami, tell us a little bit about them. I was pretty upset that they'd been on YouTube for two days and I didn't even know. So, of course, naturally, I watched them repeatedly with my children. And they were still fun to watch every single time. And then I was disappointed when I realized this is all they're doing. They're not making an animated series. It's not going to be any longer than this. This is it. The Galaxy of Adventures. I was. I think it would be incredible, though, if they took this form of animation and just extended it. You yes. Know? 
Let's make Absolutely. it longer. Let's make it more. Give me more, please. Just, you know, Kylo Ren at the end of The Last Jedi yelling more <laughs> from the cockpit. <laughs> and, and if... For those who haven't seen these yet, when we're saying more, we're, we mean a lot more because these are one minute or less per per video. And these are these animated shorts that are pulled from actual scenes from the Star Wars movies. There's the scene that where Obi-Wan Kenobi gives Luke his lightsaber for the first time. There's the scene where Dar- at the end of Rogue One, Darth Vader is walking down the hallway and with his lightsaber out. There's the I scene from... I loved when Han Solo and Chewbacca are working in the Millennium Falcon. Just their most... It was 100% Chewbacca and Han Solo. They were fidgeting with the Millennium Falcon. They were trying to put it back together. They're punching it and the darn thing won't go until Chewbacca just, you know, slams his hands down and it's just like, oh yeah, yes, this is incredible. And then seeing Darth Vader and then seeing C-3PO pass by Darth Vader at that iconic beginning of A New Hope. And it's just, <laughs> yes. it's, it's a kick in the gut if you're sentimental like I am and you grew up with the prequels knowing that a little boy named Anakin created C-3PO a long time ago in a galaxy in a different universe and now it's he's Darth Vader and you know the entire story of his fall and you've seen it all of it and read all the information and just it's like oh my feels you know because C-3PO is looking at his old master who created him (laughs) and then there's Leia oh my gosh the Leia in the animation just I love it. My my daughter, who's barely seven, recognized immediately oh, Princess Leia, and she's oh wow, you know, is that General Leia? And I'm like, yeah, that's when she's younger. Because to them, to my kids who are not even in their double digits yet, they're growing up with you know TFA and TLJ, and then to see this animation, they were like, same as me, more please. And I'm like, I know, we need to tell them. So, yeah, there's definitely. Oh, and then there was the Wampa scene in Hoth. Yeah, that was and it was just like intense in those couple of seconds. And they just made it so, you know, you felt like you were back there. And then it's like a new thing for my kids, because although they've seen the original series, you know, they're they're little. They're not going to remember everything. And they were just like, wow, you know, Luke just called that lightsaber out of the snow and got this monster and I felt the same way that they felt. <laughs> I, and I, I think that was the first thing I noticed about the shorts was that the same familiar scenes that we know from the original series the original trilogy in, in Rogue One were over dramatized compared to the way they were before when Luke is fighting the wampa in the movie he just swings his lightsaber once cuts off the arm and runs away this one he's doing gymnastics he's jumping all around the <laughs> wampa and then after the wampa is injured luke pulls down the ceiling and causes a uh, the cave to fall in on the wampa and he uses that momentum to thrust him out of a hole and onto the snow and <laughs> I and I, I think these these are jumping. exactly. I think these are a very effective way of getting getting very young people interested in the original trilogy when they might not have had another way to uh, to kind of be introduced to them unless their parents sat them down and said, "Okay." Which I've done with mine. You know, I'm not going to take a Bible and hit my kid's head and be like, you need to live this way or, or any kind of religion. I'm not going to force religion on them. But you know what I will do? I have them sit down and watch Star Trek and Star Wars. And when they're older, they'll figure out which path they want to take in life. And I won't judge them for it. <laughs> so they have seen the original series. But like you said, the younger generation, you know, it's very dated. The music doesn't flow as well. The, the graphics, the, the, you know, the special effects, the storyline doesn't have as smooth transitions because it's it's dated. It is great. They love it. But I see it more from a different perspective as my kids who are used to the new technology and the new manner of delivering stories on the big screen and in different um, 
adventures and sagas such as, you know, The Last Jedi, The Force Awakens. They love those movies. They just they'll watch them over and over again. And they've actually watched the prequels with me and they're they're they like them. But trying to watch the original series is not the same. It's a little bit harder for them to digest. That makes sense. But I think this also kind of rolls into this larger story of Disney churning out a metric ton of animated content, which is great, but it was certainly more than the volume I expected by the end of 2018. I mean, we have... In no particular order, we already have The Clone Wars, which is back in production for the seventh season. Uh, we had Star Wars Rebels just end earlier this year. We have Forces of Destiny. We have Resistance, Galaxy of Adventures. We have the, what was that other YouTube series we found? The Blips? The Blips. The I'm Blips, not sure. yeah. Star Wars Blips, which are also very, very short. If you think the one minute cuts of clips from the uh, from the original trilogy are short these are 35 second shorts that are just bb8 getting chased around I, I, by, looking, by, by bb9e and then that's it I see why they would do that. So here's the thing, and, and this is just my opinion. Um, so millennials are of a generation that are like, you know what? The world is going to heck in a handbasket that's on fire and going straight to doom. So we're going to enjoy what we have. Generation Z is like, yeet, everything's awful. Yeah, it is. We don't have a lot of time. So they're more inclined to watch things with a shorter attention span, such as, you know, they speak in memes, they speak in the, their whole new language. And I know this is not everyone. This is just a stereotype, but I know it's true. Like for my kids, they, they love sh- stuff like this. They love, you know, taking things in bite-sized doses and then going about their business, having fun, however they can. So I can see why they would do that to appeal to the younger audience. And I think it's, I think it's a great way to do it. I yeah. am for it. I uh, I wasn't even thinking just about Generation Z, you know, born after 2000 or so, but I was thinking about like preschoolers, very early elementary school kindergarten age that would that don't yet have the investment in Star Wars. These are the these are the little happy meals to get them to, to get them in on it. And I <laughs> and I really I really like it. I, I I think it's a really clever way. And it isn't just a cartoon. They are, they have the half hour shows. They have the they have the five minute three minute cartoons of Forces of Destiny. I don't and I don't believe Forces of Destiny is returning, but then they shortened it even more to go to Galaxy of Adventures, shortened it even more to go to Blips. And, I mean, I, I don't know what Disney could do next to go even shorter. Like, I really don't. <laughs> I Like, the only thing I can think of is just to have, like, maybe, like, a repeating playlist on YouTube where it's just watching BB-8 walk around or something. I really have no idea, like, how you can make it any shorter. <laughs> but they are... They are figuring out these things. They are, and with Cassie, the untitled Cassie Nandor show being a, a spy thriller, Mandalorian being a gunslinger, dark tower kind of character. I, I think they are, they are really jumping in to make Star Wars accessible to basically, I, like anyone shy of retirement age, Before, whatever that is now. Oh yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we'll get and, into that. And that's I mean, another discussion. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if they, if in 10 years, Disney is making, you know, Law and Order Coruscant or something I, like I, that. I would watch any. All right. Here's the thing about me. I'm the kind of fan that if it is set in the Star Wars galaxy with everything from the Star Wars universe and surroundings. You could give me a show where 100% we're in that um, 
diner where Obi-Wan went in episode two. And he's like meeting up with his friend who's got plumber butt. Okay. And if all it was was watching him run his diner, I would watch it. But that's just the kind of fan I am. That would be that. What if they did like a Star Wars Back to the Future when Marty walks into the diner? It's the diner from Attack of the Clones. Oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that they should. There is so much potential to write and tell good stories in the galaxy far, far away. I know because I grew up reading so many. And, you know. I, I love seeing where it goes. And that just goes back to the prediction of George Lucas, even before it was thought about that Disney was going to purchase Lucasfilm, Star Wars franchise. He even said way before then that if anyone would have created Star Wars, it would have been Disney. And he was right, you know, because now they're producing Disney. Yeah. And I, I, I like what they've done so far. I do too. I think I think this this was this this was a very, very good fit fit for Disney. I think the only my only real criticism so far is that they had a really, really good thing going with the games from around two thousand, maybe maybe the late nineties to the true. late uh, first decade for a period of about ten or twelve years. Superb games, the with stories, uh, stories, games. I'm still playing. My friends are still playing, um, and. We're not seeing any of that, and and maybe they're out there, and I'm not seeing them. But um, I mean, I'm pretty soon my computer. I'll have it upgraded so I can play Battlefront too. But I I would love to see. You know, I know this is the internet's already beaten this dead horse, but I'd love to see another Knights of the Old Republic. I would love to see more um, uh, space sims. The early '90s X-wings were great, but the, but there's a kind of forgotten game of the X-wing series of the late '90s, X-wing Alliance, where you are Ace Azamine of the Azamine family, and your your family space station is destroyed um, by just competing families and businesses, and then you happen to join up with the Alliance right after the first Death Star is is destroyed. And you kind of train, you kind of fly around with with some of the the groups. You kind of do one or two things with Rogue Group, but then you go and fly missions for your family that who are still around. Then you suddenly switch characters at the very end, fifty two missions. On the forty eighth mission, you switch characters, and suddenly you are Lando and the Millennium Falcon flying to blow up the <laughs> second Death Star. And there are four complete missions that make up the entire uh, destruction of the Death Star, and it's absolutely fantastic. I'm looking Just- at images right now, and um, this takes me back to um, there is that fan-made TIE Fighter. Took the oh, sky for I've years, seen... And is it the, it it's the done- anime style? Yes, it's like yes. that old-school anime style. And I think he was inspired by some of this game you're talking about, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there were several in the series. X-Wing Alliance was the last in the series. There's X-Wing, there's TIE Fighter, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, and then X-Wing Alliance. There may have even been one more before X-Wing Alliance, but yeah, the I came later in that generation. I was a... I, my Windows 98 computer could play X-Wing Alliance, and that was what the... Uh, not GameStop. I forgot the name of the game store that was there before GameStop, but that <laughs> they had X Wing Alliance, and that was I. I played that ad nauseum. When I lost the disc, I immediately bought a new one on eBay. When it was on <laughs> Steam, I got the Steam copy. I love that game. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, we were saying that Disney is missing a lot of content that they could explore and expand on because um, apparently they made everything pre-Return of the Jedi besides the original saga not canon save a few details here and there yeah the Clone Wars show 
And I don't even think the original trilogy novelizations are canon. Wow. I, yeah, I'm not. I I was told they weren't. I want to see if there's some confirmation on that somewhere. Um, but well, Wikipedia has some opinions to say. <laughs> of course they do. But the but the games though right now Disney is. Uh, last I heard, exclusively going through EA for their games, and they, um, I guess, are keeping at least some uh, some of their um, some of their uh, video game content being developed by EA. And I'd love to see if they are able to get a non-exclusive contract with someone else because some of the games came out of different developers. LucasArts was the primary developer of the video games before Disney bought uh, Lucasfilm. But the one of the biggest problems with LucasArts and how they made games, especially PC games, was they were buggy as all heck. And even like for Windows, Star Wars Episode One Racer, an amazing game, wonderful replay value. It was built for... Windows 98, and to get it to run on Windows XP, you needed extra third-party patches, you needed to download extra files, and then you had to do even more to get it to run on Windows 7, and apparently there are whole websites now dedicated just to getting it to run on Windows 10. It does not adapt well at all across different versions of Windows. And that was a, a fairly common recurring problem with LucasArts uh, PC games and um, but you know we'll see uh, we'll see what happens and we'll uh, when when more games are coming out we're definitely going to be reviewing them here but so in regards to canon and not canon it goes back to how you know with Star Trek blah 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 they split up Paramount CBS and so in order to diverge in their own stories while still keeping the primary elements of the story they created a new timeline the kelvin timeline and so this is what i'm hoping will happen with disney that they'll buy the rights to some of the expanded universe and the legends and then somehow by some miracle of whatever some blip in the galaxy the paradoxical universes merge and and cross paths somehow and you've got let's just say Luke Prime <laughs> like Spock Prime and there's this whole other reality that happens where you've got the courtship of Princess Leia the legacy books the young Jedi Knights and you've got them with three children and an awesome marriage because they love each other. (laughs) And it's not all terrible. (laughs) But it is war. So, like, I get it. I I like the new Star Wars movies. Like, I I see how it can roll over. Where they're coming from. But I still love my Legends and Expanded Universe, so it would be nice if they would give me detailed play-by-play of every book and game that I played or read as a child and Disney would just do their magic and create it so I can see it on a screen. Yeah, I... I, I, my wishful thinking part of my brain wants that too. But I also recognize like what you said earlier, the Kelvin timeline in Star Trek came out of an intellectual property dispute between Paramount and CBS. And, and, and that without changing the complete topic of this podcast, that just is manifested in the movies that were already made. Why certain movies uh, in Star Trek didn't, and it didn't reference things that happened in the show that would have been relevant. And and I don't know all of the nuanced details, but I know that it, it ultimately appealed to who owned which parts of the story. And it still to this day has not been reconciled. No. As far, as, far as I know. And, I just... Um, I would like to think that Disney's got bigger pockets and bigger abilities 
to for creation and license than these other smaller studios and that they could do something to make it happen it's a dream hey but it might not happen i'll just see what what star wars rolls out and go from there but they will pry my legends books out of my cold dance ha- dead hands. I still love them. They still exist to me in an alternate universe for Star Wars. <laughs> and you know, as far as uh, legends books that maybe have never been digitized, those are the things that, if you want to buy them up now, you probably should on eBay because there there's only a there's finite a supply of those. And yeah. There, there, there may be quite a few now, but over time they are going to start disappearing. Yeah, because yeah. they're no longer printing them because it's, they, they own Lucasfilm. That's it. Yeah. And Which I don't like. <laughs> and I think, with the exception, I think the only what was it? The only piece of Star Wars that Disney does not own are the home releases of the original trilogy from the eighties and 90s because that wasn't directly distributed from Lucasfilm that was distributed through I believe 20th Century Fox now if Disney finishes the acquisition of 20th Century Fox which it sure looks like they're going to <laughs> then then there may be something there but we shall see yes um so Moving on, we are now approaching one year from the date uh, of episode nine. We are now 12 months and something like 15 days. I I have the exact day. Give me a second. (laughs) I have the exact day count for you. Hold up. (laughs) But anyways, from the release of... Uh, episode nine, and it's um, on www.howmanydaysuntilstarwars.com. Yep. Yep. And as of recording this podcast, it is 383 days. And we are now getting into the uh, that time span where we're going to start getting some more information out of, out of Disney, whether it's leaks, uh, a teaser the name of episode nine and all I want for Christmas (laughs) y'all yeah and I don't know when just best prediction when do you think they're going to announce the name oh gosh how long did it take them to release the name for oh wasn't it (laughs) Carrie Fisher accidentally released the name ahead of time (laughs) the force awakens no for um was it for The Force Awakens? No, I think it was for The Last Jedi. No? No, she released the code name. She released uh, code name That's, Panda. That's what yeah. she did. She accidentally released code name Panda. And so right now, do we know the code name? Nobody? Well, it's so funny you bring that up. Let me bring the code name for episode nine changed, which may or may not mean anything. But watch this. The code name for episode nine is I was just thinking about this the other day. Somebody said it was Black Diamond. That was the old one. And yeah, now it has been claimed that episode nine has been given the working title. Oh, Black Diamond might be the new one. Uh Who confirms this stuff? Well, let me just reference this real quick. Because I was reading about this on Star Wars Newsnet. And Well, yeah, on Wikipedia, principal photography began at Pinewood Studios, August of 18, 
Yes, Trixie. Okay. Yeah, under the working title Trixie, originally Black Diamond. And that was the that was what raised some kind of chatter online about whether or not Black Diamond meant anything because the past titles have been nonsense titles. They have been arbitrarily chosen. And it's like your secret <laughs> service code name. The, the name ultimately means nothing. And Disney changing the name suddenly gets a little suspicious. But right before this happened, I was thinking about something. Do you remember, or I don't know if you even know this, but uh, do you remember after The Last Jedi came out and people were talking about the fact that there was, in fact, an Easter egg in Rogue One that hinted towards something that happened in The Last Jedi? I think I may have seen, but I can't remember the exact details. So near the end of Rogue One, when Jen Erso and Cassie Nandor are going through the data tapes on Scarif, Jen Erso is reading the names of of the different projects before she gets to Stardust. And she reads one of them as, as being called hyperspace tracking. And it that was, was, a, Easter it was an exper- yeah, experimental prototype that I guess never really got into development until a long time later. But if you look at the subtitles or even right now I opened up the script, she reads a few things after that. She says hyperspace tracking, navigational systems, stellar sphere, Mark Omega, Pax Aurora, War Mantel, Cluster Prism, Black Saber. And I just was thinking about them. Most of them sounded completely arbitrary and nonsensical. And then all of a sudden, the episode nine name changes from Black Diamond to Trixie. And and Trixie very clearly is supposed to be a riff off of episode nine because the I and the X are capitalized in Trixie. But the fact that it's not Black Diamond is kind of activating that part of my brain that looks for patterns that may not even be there. <laughs> and I'm, I'm emphasizing that it may not be there. And I, I'm trying not to start any big rumors or start any trouble, but I kind of think that that would be interesting because we already know Ray has to build a new lightsaber. We know that Ryan, uh, Ryan Johnson considered the Praetorian guard having a white and red sort of candy cane esque uh, weapon to be a different as he called it a different hue of saber and I am wondering if we're going to actually see an, a legitimate black saber and it wouldn't even be from Ray and her lightsaber I would think that if they were to do a black saber what if black saber on on Scarif what if that was a project that Darth Vader started to spearhead and then he later shelved it to come back, but he never came back to it because he died in Return of the Jedi. And Kylo Ren's like, I'm going to finish what you started. I'm going to make a black saber. So um, there is the dark saber mentioned in canon in Rebels. Is it Rebels or is it Clone Wars? Dark saber. But oh. the dark saber actually does exist. Uh, I look up dark saber Star Wars and Rebels comes yeah, right up. The Mandalorians um, developed a type of lightsaber. Legends say that it was created by the first Mandalorian that ever was inducted into the Jedi Order, and then after his passing, the Jedi kept the saber in their temple. Wow. So, yeah, the the dark saber is a part of um canon, I believe. Well, cool. So it does exist. Yeah. And I believe uh Darth this is in Clone Wars, Darth Maul kills Vizia and takes the dark saber for his own. That's Become right. leader of the death the death watch. So, like, um, the Darksaber is something associated with the dark side, I guess, with the Sith and 
I wonder if uh, Kylo Ren's going to find it or, you know. I really want them to go to Vader's palace in episode 10. I mean, nine. I wish there was an episode 10. <laughs> At his palace on Mustafar? Yes. That would be a interesting way of bringing the uh, kind of tying all this uh, the entire saga together, including the um, standalones, because you only see his palace in the standalone Rogue One. Mm-hmm. But there's probably someone listening who's screaming at their phone right now saying, no, it, they Disney did this intentionally and they changed it away from a nonsense name, Black Diamond to Trixie, not only to riff off of nine the roman numeral but also just to troll fans and i wouldn't put They're it past really disney. good at keeping info from people until they officially release it they post force awakens yes force awakens had an unreal amount of leaks because when harrison ford broke his leg there was a set that was specifically for his scenes and because he was healing and jj abrams decided to go shoot new scenes with ray and finn and get chemistry working between them there he decided to reshoot harrison ford scenes back i don't recall if it was in pinewood studios or la somewhere i I don't recall exactly where but it wasn't the original location and they had a crew dedicated to that location well since they weren't shooting there anymore they laid off that crew but their primary punishment for leaks was that you would be fired immediately and you had some crew members that said well we're already basically (laughs) fired so why don't we just start leaking and the thing is that they're since this was a new generation of star wars movies on the internet, we weren't really sure, you know, whose leaks were were for real or not. Yeah. And and so after we saw the movie, we could go back and fact check them. And of course, Star Wars Newsnet uh, came up on top. And just about all the leaks that these people gave different websites and bloggers checked out, except for one huge detail. And it was the opening of The Force Awakens. They said that it was all about Luke's lightsaber. It opened up with Luke's lightsaber flying through space, just drifting, and then it lands somewhere. And they, and the whole first half of the movie is all about them chasing down Luke's lightsaber. And it was because that was the original plot. And they changed it to be in the map. And Ever since then, <laughs> leaks have uh, have been few and far between. But, but yeah, I'm so to give me something, I don't care if it's just a picture, an official picture. Just, just give me something. I'm like really needing this to happen soon. It's killing me slowly. Yeah. So. <laughs> The Last Jedi was announced January of 17, and The Force Awakens name was announced November of 14. So Force Awakens more than a year, so 13 months before it was released. Last Jedi, 11 months before it was released. So, man, I bet bet if we... uh, I bet they're, like, building up anticipation and purposely just not going to give us... Any crumbs. They're just going to be like, nope, nothing for you. You need to wait. Yeah, I... Hmm. I'm kind of thinking that maybe like the week we would have had a Star Wars movie in December, they're going to give us the title. And they're going to give us a teaser on a really big movie release. I'm trying to think if... What, what movies does Disney have coming out? They've got Mary Poppins. They have uh, Avengers is too far out. Captain Marvel. So a teaser would have to be on one of their. Might be Captain Marvel. Where's Captain Marvel? Oops, release date. Yeah, March eighth. Okay, and then oh no. I got it. Title 
third, second, third week in December, whenever we would normally have a Star Wars movie in December. Teaser is in March before Captain Marvel. And the first of two full trailers, the first one will be at Star Wars Celebration. Oh, it has to be Star Wars Celebration. Yes. Yeah. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm going to be on Twitter, on YouTube, paper bag in my hand, trying not to hyperventilate. <laughs> Just waiting for that information to come out. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but I think, uh, think kind of moving on to um, updates on this podcast, we are now officially on iTunes and SoundCloud, Spotify, and Wherever else you find your podcasts, we are now officially out there and we're going to be on YouTube very soon. We're working on that. And our next goal is to get sponsored by Squarespace because that's what you do when you're a legit official podcast. It's it's you've you've made it when when all of a sudden you're shamelessly plugging Squarespace. But (laughs) Once we get that, I'm going to do deep dive ads for the Quip toothbrush. We're coming for you, Sean Ramaswarm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so we're going to do the holiday special. Yes, the Star Wars holiday special. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is going to be funny. I think I watched it once when I was like a very, very little kid. Like I had to be in like in my single digits. Like I had to be like five or six. So I don't really remember much, but I'm thinking it would be fun to just watch it now as an adult and just be like, oh my gosh, what were they thinking? And so I think the plan is, I don't know, we haven't actually discussed this, so you'll get to listen to our brainstorming and negotiations in real time. So we're trying to keep the content, the topics here, family friendly and such, but we are also next week on December 8th, it's 7.30 p.m. Pacific, 9.30 p.m. Central. We're going to be live streaming our watching of the Star Wars Holiday Special. And we'll put links in the show notes. But you can't. It is, it is the laws of physics don't allow for somebody to watch the Star Wars Holiday Special without a fair amount of alcohol. And I, and I, and I just, yeah. and, I'm, and I don't, and I don't think, I don't think we're going to make it through the star Wars holiday special, um, without, uh, really needing to censor a few things. And so, um, not, not to mention the things that actually happen visually in the star Wars holiday special itself that are unequivocally not family friendly, but that's, uh, and not safe for work, but we're not going to talk about that now. We'll talk about that <laughs> next week. Um, so we're going to need thinking, some, Carillion brandy. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna need whatever that is they were uh, they were serving in the solo a Star Wars story. Yeah. The um can you some ranker blood? Oh yes. Oh blue milk. We need we, <laughs> we need we need we need blue milk and then we get a little uh <laughs> just get get a have like a one of those casks that you can like keep under your shoulder and then and then just slowly pour it in. I'm gonna need a straw because uh I'm gonna be wearing a mask, so. <laughs> oh, you're gonna cosplay as Kylo Ren? Oh uh, yeah. Nice. I actually did cosplay a lot as a kid. I was definitely Queen Amidala, Padme. Um, a lot as a kid, I had like a full-on Jedi robe and like all the lightsabers you could think. Yeah. <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna record the live stream, and I think we're gonna save it and keep it as a as an exclusive bit of content for the future whenever we release and open up a patreon page for the podcast and whenever that time finally comes whenever we're ready for that we're 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 established enough for that we're probably going to save that and uh, some of our uh, star wars commentaries for exclusive patreon content there but we'll we will definitely be making announcements and figure that out as it uh, as it gets a little closer. Um, I don't know, Ami. Anything else before we uh, close up? Let's see. We were talking about. Um, I think we pretty much covered what we intended to cover. Yeah, we're still getting the hang of this. Still 
trying to get the workflow and see what topics we're covering. So. Yeah. All right. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Nerdocrat Life. Ami, where can people find you? I'm also on Twitter at Ami Zanami First, and that's with a with the number First Order. <laughs> I'm gonna need to work on this. Uh, actually, it's Zanami First Order. So it's Z I N A M I. And then number one for first and order. So Zanami first order. We're going to link it in the comments when I get this posted. I'll make sure to link <laughs> all of our social media. And you can find us, uh, find the podcast on Twitter at first order com, first order C-O-M-M. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week. And may the force be with you. Bye.